Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, anywhere you find your podcast. Don't forget, NumbBillsFan.com has all of our content. Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 134. I'm your host, David Palermo. As always, as you heard, find me on Twitter, everywhere, at NumbBillsFan, as you heard in the intro. And NumbBillsFan.com has all past episodes. Please subscribe everywhere. And as always, don't forget, Grandstand Sports Network, playing regularly all the time with other podcasts involved as well from around the country. And GrandstandSportsNetwork.com has gotten me and my buddy Kevin Massar, Masseri, who is on the line in a second, um, on the sidelines and a couple other people. So it's been nice to get a, a, a first great, you know, best view in sports, as you would say, for the Buffalo Bills. And also brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. Their website is launching very, very soon with a bunch of Sports podcast brought to you by comedians, and I am the official podcast for the Buffalo Bills, Numb Bills fan podcast. So thank you to those guys over there. Ari Shafir, the comedian, has a special called Double Negative out on Netflix. Please check that out. Also, um, Sam Tripoli has a new conspiracy theory podcast, which is pretty good. And don't forget to check out Punch Drunk Sports podcast themselves. And Jason Tebow is also on there, and it's hilarious. They just had Steve Ranazizi on from the league, if you remember him. Um, great show. And, um, so on the line with me now, I have Kevin Masseri from cover1.net and also Locked On Bills podcast, which is also part of the Grandstand Sports Network. So shout out to Eric Turner for doing all the great work and, uh, always letting me, you know, hit him up for information any time of day. So what's up, Kevin? How you doing, man? What's going on, Dave? Doing well today. How are you? You know, I'll be honest, um, I've praised this coaching staff. They sucked me in, this Buffalo Bills coaching staff. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden we have a lot to talk about, which kind of thought was that time of year. Come Labor Day, lots to talk about, as always. It gives us us great material, Dave. It really does. And, I mean, I got to say, if you're a, a Buffalo Bills fan or even an outsider looking in, you're wondering, are the Bills tanking? Are the Bills tanking? Are the Bills tanking? And, I mean, it's every single person that the Bills have cut, which, if you don't know, the Bills have just cut uh, Jonathan Williams, who was, I believe, the Bills' fifth-round pick two years that's ago. Right. And, yep, that's um, right. And, you know, he's a promising player. In fact, even on the John Murphy show, they were talking about he could be better than Mike Gelsley. Then next thing you know, he's cut. And now we're hearing, oh, we didn't play special teams. Well, my bullshit meter goes off, Kevin. And I think, okay, I don't know shit, but I do know you have players in the locker room who are tight with the coach, like Mike Tolbert, who's in that running back room. Are you telling me that there aren't – somebody's not buying in or doing something is initially my who fucked up radar. Somebody got caught smoking weed. Somebody caught whatever. I, you know what I mean. This team is like, like really like weird. You know what yeah, I mean? I, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation right now. Um, here's here's how I put it. We'll start with the top with Jonathan Williams. And uh, honestly, Dave, here at Numb Bills fan, um, you're going to get some of my first takes on a lot of this. So, uh, to the Ooh. listeners out there, um, we'll be going live here on Numb Bills fan with with a lot of my first early roster takes. 
um, before I actually go live on lockdown bills later in the week. But the first thing I can notice is the team got worse. Okay, so it's very tough to do to go from your initial 53 man cuts, um, make about five moves, which you're supposed to get better at. Um, I would say 99% of the time when you make, you know, five, six moves post cuts, you know, you're doing five or six moves to get better. Um, the Bills didn't get better. The Bills got worse. They got worse with their picks. Um, I'm not sure what their end game was. And regardless of Jonathan Williams getting picked up by another team or not, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, he will be picked up. It doesn't mean it doesn't need to be claimed on waiver. Someone might want him on their own uh, uh, contract or on their own terms. So until I see him not playing football for a few weeks, then we can comment. But at least for purposes of today, uh, I'm going in thinking he's going to get signed within the next week. Can I um, hit you with that uh, rebuttal on it and we can close the Williams chapter on there? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I honestly think that Jonathan Williams, the deal with Jonathan Williams is uh, it doesn't matter to them where he came from, clearly. And if you're really not playing special teams, you're really not contributing, I guess it doesn't matter. And I think what they're trying to do here, the Bills, is really um, there's a couple things where you have guys on the team like Mike Tolbert. He's a leader on the team as far as, like, seniority. He was brought in pretty much probably to be, hey, what's up? Maybe this works out, yada, yada, yada. You also have other guys like Lorenzo Alexander on the team, another leader guy. You had Tyrod Taylor in the offseason guiding this team. And I think that the this regime would rather just clean house like we've talked about for years, which they haven't done in a long time, which I'm not a fan of personally. I like to keep as much quality talent as you can. I mean, if you're playing like Madden Ultimate Team, you have an overall team rating or, or even Madden. Like, I want my overall team an 86, not, not a 79. But at the same time, Kevin, I think the most important thing to this regime and this coaching staff and, and general manager is who's here to play ball and come to work. Because if you're not, get the hell out of here. We don't care who you are. And we'd rather have 11 guys doing everything they can to do the right thing and have the highest chance of doing the right thing than finding out that dudes may be late to a meeting or some bullshit like that. And unless you're Marcel Darius, where you're getting paid Brinks trucks worth of money, you're getting paid Floyd Mayweather money for the season, like you're going nowhere. So you're kind of stuck with him. But you get my point. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, to continue on your point, it, it's interesting because now you either have to take the coach at face value when he says there was no issues, he did everything he could, he bought in, he's a great guy, had a great camp. Sure, everyone's meter goes off, but then your your coach is standing up there lying through his teeth, which isn't a good look either. So either he's telling the truth and he just caught him because he straight up doesn't think he's better than Joe Banyard, or he's lying through his teeth and something did happen, which would backfire on him though, Dave. All you need is a report to come out in two weeks saying he didn't buy into the system. No one liked him. He was arguing with coaches or he was, you know, participating in some type of activity that the team didn't like. That doesn't sit well. Now you lied to us. I don't don't know. I don't think somebody comes out and says that. You know what I mean? Because I think the coach is going to just own it and wish him the best to go on in his career. You know what I mean? This kid is a DWI, so you can only assume. Right. But would you call saying he's done everything right owning it? He went up there and basically said... He was a good player, but we just caught him. He didn't. He didn't fit the knee. Rather than saying um, there were some issues we weren't able to resolve, he he didn't really own it. He kind of didn't own it. He kind of stood up there and said today in his press conference that um, you know he's not the right fit 
for the system or he isn't a good enough player rather than Sam some issue or, you know, I something don't know. else. I, I, I thought I heard also to piggyback on what you're saying and to cut you off, you know, that's what I do. Um, dude, he really did say too, along with that, like we want players who put this team first and yada, yada, yada. And yada, and it's also, I think a way of saying, Hey, everybody, maybe that's like a message to the team right there, which is like, we want guys who want to do what they're told. He does not need to say that. He can just say, look, man, we thought we were doing better in other phases. There's three phases of the game, and he did mention that. You know what I mean? And if you're not starting, you got to contribute. I get it. I get it. I get it. But he did not need to go into that whole thing about, like, you know, doing, you know, being well, football first guy. You know what I mean? Right. Off off the air, Eric Turner and I from Cover One had had a – Big discussion about what we thought this meant for the team uh, and what we thought happened here. And one of the big things I heard McDermott say today um, was how much special teams played a role into everything. That you know, special teams was a factor. There's a third phase to this game. Uh, they get Banyard and Taiwan Jones help on special teams. Those are special teams players. Mike Tolbert plays special teams. So now you have your three backup backs playing special teams, um, and that's what played a role in this. But you know, you're, you're going to donate to me four or five spots that you signed off of waivers today, um, or yesterday, over the last two days, I should say. You picked up a fourth tight end in Kyrie Lee that hasn't really done anything in the league. You had a three, to me, the tight end class played pretty well, Clay, O'Leary, and Thomas. I didn't see the need to add a Lee, a guy, an unknown guy, into the lineup. You, put, you signed Joe Webb basically as a quarterback slash special teams guy. You, you didn't have any other purpose for him, um, especially keeping T.J. Yates. I mean, T.J. Yates is probably going to be out, but you don't activate more than two quarterbacks. So I don't see a situa- situation where Taylor and Yates are both out and you're going Peter Mid-Webb. There's no way. There's no way that that happens this week. So you donated another special team spot to Joe Webb. You keep going on the, the – you traded K- for Kalen Clay. Uh, you gave up Kevon Seymour, another special teams move. You have Andre Holmes, who's a special teams gunner. You have Brandon Tate, who's a kick returner. Um, we, we could keep going on, you know, keep going down the defense and you're having Dion Lacey, the new linebacker, who's a special teams guy. You kept Tanner Vallejo for special teams, you know, Trey Elston for special teams. I mean, this is a special teams roster. It sounds like, and it's like, dude, I, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, it, is Danny Crossman worth the investment? I don't know I, because I, I'm out what, there watching this guy coach and I was backing him up and I don't want to shred him, but like. Dude, how do you have of everybody out there not to rip on Ross or rip on a player? It's not my style, but the kid is clearly, it looks like he's never fielded a fucking kick in his life, dude. Like, you yeah. don't want him as a center fielder on your baseball team or softball team or to catch a deep pass anywhere because I don't understand how your depth perception is that bad. I was going to yell at him myself, and Crossman's just shaking his head. That's the best you could do. You got to get these guys to block and develop good habits, and the guy can't even catch the ball in a timely manner without turning around. Like, it, it makes his back should never be <laughs> to the kicker. Like, right. what are we doing here? I. I don't. I don't see the purpose, and I'll, I'll go on record here. Number Bills fan podcast. I don't see the purpose of having Brandon Tate, Brandon Tate, and Kalen Clay on the same roster. It does not make any sense. You have Taiwan Jones as a backup returner. You have Walter Powell on the suspension list, who you can take off in four weeks to use as a returner. I there like Walter n- Powell, man. By the way, I, really I don't have do. any issues, and we we can discuss Powell in a, you know maybe a couple episodes when it's closer to his suspension being over. 
but there is zero reason to carry basically the same player. If you liked Kalen Clay and you traded uh, for him, I, I don't know why you need Tate. I don't see the purpose of having your fourth and your fifth receivers as kick and punt returners as well. You know, who knows how they're both limited as receivers. And then you have an Andre Holmes, who's a limited receiver, in my opinion, as your third receiver, who's normally a gunner. Oakland was upset to lose him because of his special teams prowess, not because of his receiving ability. So now you have basically three of your five wide receiver spots donated to the special teams, as well as, to me, everyone but LaShawn McCoy donated on the back system. So you have Mike Tolbert, Joe Banyard, Taiwan Jones. Those are all special teamers well, we have you have good Joe Webb offensive lineman to honestly plug whoever back there I was a little pissed about Jonathan Williams because I liked him as a player I want to see him develop yeah and I and, and you know it losing him was a big deal to me he was easily the number two running back and you know to me right now a number two an, a running back backup running back isn't as valuable apparently as special teams guys who can be maybe a slight step down in the running department but add a body on special teams that's basically what Bean McDermott Shane and Gain, the other executives in the front office, decided to do. They said, you know what? We like Jonathan Williams he, as a player. All he can do is play running back. We don't know how he might not be buying into this thing, if that's the report. So we're going to go with Banyard, Mike Talbert, and Taiwan Jones, LaShawn McCoy, and Patrick DeMarco. You have guys 28 and over playing at your back spot. Very interesting decision there to go vet heavy. And then for... McDermott to go up there and recognize the fact that there's a compensation formula by cutting Andre Holmes and by cutting Vlad Dukas and by cutting Ryan Davis that could earn him a third-round pick that he said they, they might entertain. So to me, you went very vet-heavy. You kept very limited uh, younger players. Outside of the guys you drafted, you kept like Greg Maven. He's the only other younger player. Um, you practice squatted, to me, some players that I thought would make the team. So you know the, the practice squad real quick is Dakeel Shorts, Brandon Riley, Jordan Mudge, Marquavius Lewis. B.T. Sanders, Marcus Sales, Ian Seau, Zach Vigil, uh, Will Paterik, Parakik, and Michael Pruitt. So, you, I mean, you, you have a, a pretty solid practice squad that I actually was my favorite thing that they were able to do as a, as a unit was put together that, uh, uh, to me, a very solid practice squad and went really vet heavy on uh, both sides of the ball. So it'll be very interesting to see. You know what happens, and and Brandon Tate with his limited receptions is the guy that has the most receptions of of any receiver on the Bills staff right hey, on the I'll, Bills receiver core. I'll be honest, man. I I've told you this before. Um, it's just a hope. It's a I've heard good things about him from Donald Jones talking about him. I always mention that because I you know there's something about being tougher than other people that I really admire, and this dude seems to stay relatively healthy. Who? Uh, Tate. Okay, like, like Tate. I, I, I like him because he, he, I honestly think he's a guy where I think with this offense, it sounds like we're going to see to Bills fans more stuff we saw from Chan Gailey essentially, which is the ball in the hands of guys in space. You know what I mean? We saw a tight end screen this year in, in the preseason. You know, we saw screens and practices, all sorts of them in practice. And it's like for Tate, I think he's a healthy addition to what they're trying to do as far as being versatile. And let's be honest, if you're going to be featuring two backs, you need three good receivers. You don't need something crazy. And here's a theory I want to run by you, not to spin back. We don't have to. But sure. um, I would like to entertain this to you, conspiracy theory. What if there's a metric? Because this will be Crossman's fifth year with the Bills, okay? Okay. What if there's a metric where they look at the division – and there's some kind of analytical report because I'm trying to like fish for ways to justify this special team stuff here because I do believe in special teams. But okay. let's be honest here. 
the shit on the wall conspiracy from my end is what if they did some kind of homework or across from me presented something to these guys like look i need solid guys here here's why because we could have had x x x and x if i had quality guys who can pick up blacks quality guys who do put football first quality guys who do whatever he's the only one that's been here and and maybe there's a metric where we could say you know how you talk about Steve Tasker being a Hall of Fame special teamer for the Bills, and he should be in there, and Peter King and all these guys hammer the table for him, but he doesn't get in, but we get this these freaking kickers in. And, and you know, Marv Levy says famously, like, hey, put on the film. He has changed games on special teams. So what I want to know is that's the guy that's beloved in Marv Levy, okay? Um, what if the special teams thing really could be a thing for the bills, but at the same time, it's like maybe they have. I'm, I'm wondering if they have like some kind of metric or stat or something where they're like, "Look, we think that these special teams are are, are weak. They're yeah, they, like I don't know. I mean, how many different schematic ways can you run special teams? I have no clue. I don't know. Right. I'm not a football coach, but I'm just saying, like, could there have been some kind of evidence? In a long story short, <laughs> evidence presented to maybe the GM or or, or the head coach, like, look. I think if we beef this up, we could actually have an edge in special teams against who we match up this year. I don't know what it is, and it seems like the Bills want guys with big wingspans, and they're going to run two tight ends. Like, it's clear what they're going to do. Right. I mean, to couple that thought, I I think that there's some credence to that, that, you know, he said, I've been here. This is what went wrong in the last couple years. Basically, my unit was getting penalized every single time down the field because they weren't talented. We didn't put any resources into this uh, unit. And it was still actually, to me, average. I mean, it wasn't poor. It was average. Um, so he basically might have said, look, a team that's built the way we're built, we need to have a special teams game to win games. We need to have a special team. We need to be good on teams and all phases of teams, which they weren't in preseason either. They were not. Um, let me let me show you what could happen, uh, how we could, you know, maybe the game is different just by the special teams phase. So he went out and, and asked for four or five more roster spots than usual. And that's to me what happened. He got four or five more. The team got worse in depth. I was actually okay with depth at certain positions. And then you go and cut Hodges, who's one of my uh, favorite backup linebackers. I did not slash. understand that. No, it, 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 it didn't make any sense, Dave. I, I don't know the theory there. Um, he didn't have like a standout stardom um, uh, preseason. It's to me, it's like Zach Brown. Like, if if Zach Brown was on this roster last year, um, or excuse me, this year, I don't know that that McDermott would have kept him. He, I, I, I don't know what they see in some of these um, special teams players to be able to cut your vet backups. Some guys that you're going to need in certain spots. Uh, what happens if Humber goes down? Preston Brown goes down. Lorenzo Alexander goes down. I mean, you're playing Matt Milano and Deion Lacy. And Tanner Vallejo, that is your backup. Ooh, in those those draft picks have kind of impressed a little bit. I got to I mean, know, but Mil- Milano's been hit and miss to me. Um, he's been better. Tan- Tanner Vallejo hasn't even stepped on the field, and Deion Lacy is a converted um, CFL player into the NFL, trying again in, in, in this time around. So, like, I, so what? So if that's the case, then why the hell would they like their own they're loyal to their own picks you know what i mean it's like yeah that's I, I the one thing they, I, you know what i mean that they had no other staffs had no problem cutting fifth six round picks you know what i mean it's like wait what you, you keep i don't know man yeah they basically stood up there again just like they did with um just like they did with jonathan williams and said 
no, we don't care who picked them, but you do. I mean, the stats are there that you've only kept a certain amount of players from um, from the other regime. I mean, you can say all you want. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Actions speak louder than words with who you kept. Um, so you absolutely do care with who we, where they came from, you know, what they play, how they play it, who they are as a person. You know, those are all things that you factored in, which is fine, but – um, they did get worse over the last 24 hours. The first cuts down to 53 on Saturday. No real surprises to me, Dave. Outside of cut and Brandon Riley, maybe Dekeel Shorts or maybe uh, Jordan Mudge, um, and throwing them on, and kept them on the practice squad anyways. Fine, whatever. No, no uh, skin off my back. But um, to do what they did over the last 24 hours by cutting. Um, pretty much the only one I wasn't whatever. If you have some injuries at quarterback, fine. Go ahead and, and cut Cole Anderson for um, Joe Webb, whatever. That's a fair – that's a fine move. Uh, but the other moves, um, you know, trading for Kalen Clay and then the other three waiver claims with Connor McDermott, uh, with Deion Lacey, and with even the most surprising one to me is Kyrie Lee. You needed a fourth tight end who hadn't hasn't really produced in this league. Um, those are the four moves you made. Um, that the team absolutely got worse by releasing the four players you did in Kevon Seymour, in Philly Brown, in uh, Jonathan Williams, and in um, Gerald Hodges. The four players we released are absolutely better than the four players we claimed. So um, the team got worse, may have increased a little bit on special teams. The depth took a hit. Um, and that, I mean, that's really, you know, the best way to put it. After the first cuts, everything was kosher. Um, within 24 to 48 hours later, I thought we made the Joe Webb one. We'll call a wash. The other four moves, I, I, I don't, I don't really. I thought we got worse in every single one of them, almost. I, I dude, I, I try to have faith with whatever the Bills do. You know this man, and and I've been in this Twitterverse since the Terrell Owens days, which ain't super long, but, um, you know, I don't. I don't understand getting rid of talent. And at the same time, we've seen guys shred preseason and just not do shit. And and honestly, like, I mean, Jonathan Williams was okay last year. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it it was okay. Well, okay, so he's another year from his injury. and Whatever, man. Like, give LaShawn McCoy the damn rock, dude. And honestly, after, after seeing Nathan Peterman... Get the ball out quick. Let's see what we could do here. And and I really believe that if you have guys who are on the same page, we've seen it too many times of teams that you don't know who the hell they are, and they just make it happen, and that's even in football. And we've yep. seen it with the Bills offensively with Fitzpatrick and who Steve Johnson and who Donald Jones, and you know what I mean? Spiller right. wasn't good his rookie year. You can't say that. You know, you just had a bunch of guys, dude. And, like, if you're doing what you're asked to do, I, I just – it's just this coaching staff and regime is just very bold. Like, very bold. Like, very, 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 very bold. And it ain't about – if Russ Brandon, I think, was behind this still, like, closer to the Bills than he is now because he's clearly removed. Um, like, if he was closer, I almost think that these guys wouldn't be allowed to be let go because they are fan favorites. Because fans do have an attachment, and quite frankly, if there's a stink in the air and things like this haven't been done, it tells me that this stink has kind of been 
going and going and going through generations of players here. So something's got to change. Maybe this is it. Maybe Sean McDermott uh, garnishes respect. And if they go 8-8 eight and eight this year, it's a win. And you could bring a free agents to build next year. And you have all these picks, yada, yada. But I do not understand cutting quality players, like very high-quality players. I do not understand it, especially when you sign a guy like Holmes, who is not impressed to me at all. Like, I don't. I don't know, man. It's like, what are they seeing in practice that I'm not? Are guys just late bloomers in camp or not there? Uh, maybe maybe really special teams is the reason Holmes was brought in in the first place. Yeah, he was. Yeah. You definitely. know, and he says... I, I see the purpose in that, Dave. I'm, I'm not trying to knock the third phase of the game. I think special teams is fairly important. I don't have a problem with it. It's not as important as offense. It's not as important as defense. It's not one-third. It really isn't. I call it one-sixth because I don't care how good your special teams is. It's not going to make up for a bad offense. Sorry, it's not. Um, But I'm fine with donating players to the special teams role. I really am. But you have three receivers and three running backs donated. Your skill players are donated to the special teams. Everyone but LaShawn McCoy, Jordan Matthews, and Zay Jones – Everyone else was donated to special teams. They're special teams players first that can also play their positions, which I'm okay with, except you don't have anything if one of those three goes down, really. If Matthews goes down in a game or Zay Jones has to step out, I mean, you're, you're, look, you're looking at Andre Holmes and Brandon Tate. I'm sorry, that didn't work out last year. It didn't. Um, so once you lose Matthews or Zay Jones, the receiving core is a mess. It is an absolute wreck. Um, and I, I don't think bringing in another returner in Kalen Clay is going to do anything at that wide receiver position. Is there, um, so. is there any position, uh, or uh, Kalen Clay, is there anything in your research where there is any upside for him in the receiving game, or like what's the deal with that? Because maybe they think Tate is due for more um, receiving time, because when I went, maybe that's why they didn't give Tate that many touches in camp. Maybe they wanted him to get reps because he was playing a lot of special. Te- he was not playing a lot of special teams when I was there, Brandon Tate. Yeah, he was. And <laughs> on kickoffs, he wasn't though. Like it was yeah, always, so it was always raw. So, but in the games, you know, it, what I'm saying is, is I wonder if they are trying to work him out more as a receiver, Tate, and develop him. Do you follow me? Because he wasn't that bad when he was in games, if he was targeted. He really wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. And if you're running a screen game, you're going to get these guys that type of offense. You're going to get these guys into space. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, here's a couple things to know about, you know, Kalen Clay. I mean, he, this is like his fifth team, I believe. Um, he's played on five teams since being a six-round pick in 2015. Um, so he does have talent to where he's bouncing around the league, but... You know, it's not anyone that you can you can count on producing um, in, in, on a high level. He has that straight on speed. I mean, that's kind of probably what you're into. Um, that that's probably the the number one thing he brings. He hasn't played since 2015. He finally had a good preseason this year. Um, I believe going for let's see what he did in the preseason. He caught about six passes for 127 yards. So I mean, fine, fine preseason by you, Kalen. Um, but he hasn't really been able to stick on a team. He has that straight end, straight line speed, and he's a good returner. I don't think you can count on that. Um, I don't think you can count on that uh, receiving ability at this point. So, um, it, it, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I, I, 
I think you're really reaching. I don't know what he would bring to the table that your own two undrafted free agents wouldn't. I'm trying to, ju- dude. I'm trying to justify something. You know what I mean? I'm trying to justify a reason that they would keep Tate. You know what I mean? I, 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 and bringing this this specialist return guy. It, if he doesn't have that much upside as a receiver and they trade it for him, I mean, is it really, like, that important to trade Kevon Seymour? You can't just cut him, like, what, you don't want to go to New England because he's, he's long? Is that it? I don't know. Like, is it I mean, if they were going to make the decision to cut Seymour anyways and you got a seventh-round pick and a potential player receiver in Clay, you know, whatever, uh, that's not a big deal. I mean... Clay's known to have some lapses in his career, which is an interesting decision by McDermott. I believe he was the guy that dropped the ball on the one-yard line back in his collegiate days. Um, when he was one of the most famous guys that you know put the ball on the ground back. Um, he played at Utah, so it would have been in the Oregon game uh, where he you know kind of flipped the ball down on the one-yard line instead of just running it in. So that was his like first uh, major incident. Uh, got picked because of his speed in the um, sixth round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. They liked that from him, Um, but then, you know, but then he went and um, fumbled the ball in preseason at times, um, and then you know know, faced a cut um, by the Baltimore Ravens for a fumble in preseason. Um, So, I I mean, dude, fumbling is weird, man. Because you look at a guy like Adrian Peterson, he fumbled so much, and then one season, dude tunes it up, and it's like I I feel sports is a thing, and it's kind of like following sports again in my life as I get older and picked up hockey, I get to try to like apply certain logic and pretty much like, okay, well, if I want to get better at X, I really had to focus on this thing daily and think about this thing just about daily and really make it a thing of focus. And when you're a young kid, sometimes you don't, you might be super talented, but not always know how you got there or know your most efficient work system because you haven't applied it outside of football. So like this kid, might be able to conquer that, but he has to be very driven. And and who knows, man? Maybe getting caught again will wake him up. At the same time, I feel it's so early that maybe they maybe they know that some dudes are gonna get caught. That maybe they know something. I can't really. I I can't think of. So I'm hoping that there's more to this. I'm hoping this is prettier. All these roster moves, essentially. Um, is there any other thoughts you had on the roster moves? I'm stoked on Joe Webb, by the way. Following the Vikings, I really like him. He's very talented. He's smart. He's a good guy in the locker room. I'd rather have him play than TJ Yates. I don't know why TJ Yates is still on the roster. Like, let's get real here. Um, yeah, no, that's that's uh, a big one to me. Is I don't I don't care. Um, I don't know why Yates is still on this roster. I think it might have to do with something with salary to cutting him for injury reasons. I don't think you see Yates and Webb both be on this roster. So one or the other will end up leaving this roster, hopefully Yates, um, when it's all said and done. Um, I, I, I don't mind Connor McDermott. He's a sixth-round pick from the Patriots. Tackles are hard to come by. Uh, if you're going to develop him, keep him inactive and see what you're working without him. Um, so that's that's okay with me. Um, he wasn't very good in the Senior Bowl, but you know that's kind of why he fell to the sixth round. So we'll see what we have in McDermott as a as a you know backup left tackle option, especially why Henderson's out. I see Henderson coming back and taking that roster spot. Us trying to cut McDermott and maybe putting him on the practice squad. I see something like that going on there with him. Um, 
you know, other than that, any of the other roster pickups to me, once again, I said it a couple times, Kyrie Lee kind of, kind of shocks me. Not really sure what he brings to the table. Um, has to be more of a blocking tight end. He's bounced around again, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions and pack and back to back years. Um, you know, hasn't, he's caught one pass in this league playing, you know, 24 games. So he's got to be a blocking tight end. Um, which I guess is fine, but you have Nick O'Leary who can block Charles Clay, who can block, I guess Logan Thomas is a receiver. Um, outside of that, I, I don't see anything in Deion Lacey either. I, I haven't liked his footage from what I've seen loosely, um, what I've loosely seen. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at. So now why did, uh, Connor McDermott get cut? He's six eight three oh five. That's a big man. I just don't think they had room for him on the roster. Is this a uh, is this maybe a uh, McDermott? I would bet was New England was trying to sneak him through to the practice squad like we've done in the past. Uh, dude, I, I like that pickup. As far, I mean, you're talking UCLA. Their quarterback's very nice. So, I mean, hmm. Yep, interesting one. I don't mind the pickup there. That one I'm okay with. I'm okay with Joe Webb. Um Kalen Clay to a lesser extent, but the other two are mind blowing to me. I don't, I don't, I do not need see why they uh, made the move for Deion Lacy or. I don't for, know, uh, man. Deion Lacy, if you're playing in the CFL, you're playing on a bigger field. There's a lot of athleticism there. There's a lot of uh, uh, of. I think he's got to have good hips if he's got three picks, and you know what I mean. That that's not bad yeah. for three seasons in the CFL. I. I uh, uh, you know what I mean? Of... That, like, dude, they got a. He sounds like more. It's going to be hard to beat Gerald Hodges to me. I don't. I, I don't even. They got to have a plan. There's got to be something. I don't. Like, why would you cut Hodges? He was. He looked promising. I still think it goes back to the special. There's two reasons. It goes back to special teams to me. He even said, "Listen, watch the press conference." He goes back to special teams numerous times throughout about these players. Fine. So you're going to upgrade your special teams unit. Um, the other reason could do with salaries, Dave. If you're not on your week one roster as a veteran your salary isn't guaranteed. So the second you make a week run one roster, which I believe is Wednesday, I don't know if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, what officially qualifies you as making the team, your salary as a veteran over four years is guaranteed. So even for the year, it's guaranteed for the one year you're playing in. So if you cut TJ Yates prior to Wednesday, he's, he's getting paid anyways from now on. So, um, excuse me, after Wednesday, he's going to get paid. So that's what makes it difficult when you're keeping these guys. So, something to consider is by cutting Hodges, um, you know, now his salary isn't guaranteed. So you can bring him back in week two and continue to um, flip him on and off the roster if you so choose. So there could be some salary games going on. I I don't really see what he was already on a vet minimum. So the 700 K I'm not sure why that's grinding you up, but um, those are some things to consider beside the fact that they just went special teams heavy. There's, to me, there's a limited way around that they, they, they made decisions based on their special teams unit. They wanted to get better there. They wanted to prevent the penalties. That's what was in their mind because it had nothing to do with Rex Ryan, the penalties. It has to do with the players on their special teams unit where they were receiving a vast majority of their penalties as well as defense, who they've also turned over. Um, they've kept a lot of the offensive players because they're more talented. Um, but... You know, they flipped over those two units. You know, pretty much the special teams unit in full is flipped. And uh, the, the entire defensive back unit is flipped. Um, you know, the linebacking core, you know, depending on what you say about Humber, I mean, that's half flipped. And the defensive line's really the only thing you kept intact. But you rotated a couple of backups. So, I mean, you kept the majority of the front seven, honestly. You, you flipped the entire uh, secondary. Um, you know, and you flipped uh, the entire wide receiving core. But you kept uh, the I'm really looking forward to it, I, I think, the more you talk about it. Because 
in this scheme, we have a smart front seven, okay? And I, I really believe in this game with the corners, you're, you're, you know, if you're playing more of a cover three, your, your corners don't have to be as talented as, you know, your top corners that you talk about, you know? So it's like that offers you salary cap wise to a lot that more towards other positions that cost more money. Does that make sense? Like you're, you're special, you're specialist, you know, it kind of helps playing that scheme helps free up money to afford a guy like Darius. You know, it's really like really smart. Because I honestly think that, like, linebackers, you, you can always pick them up. And they're always a dime a dozen. That's what they say. And it's like the safety positions become more of a premium. And I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out. And I think that the cornerbacks are going to be more promising than we think. I'm not, so? really, I'm not really worried about losing Darby too much, to be honest with you. I'm not really... Stephon Gilmore, I don't know what his deal was. It, when, he, when you start showing you don't want to play football anymore, I don't know how serious that can take you, and, and I don't know. So I, I, nothing we could do about it. It's not on the team anyways. The, you know, right. the, the one question mark I have is, how was Kevon Seymour developing with the new scheme? That's the thing I want to know. And at the same time, he missed a lot of camp. You know, right. so... That's basically what McDermott and Leslie Frazier uh, specifically said was he missed a lot of camp. We weren't able to see a ton of them. Um, this was the move we made. So I do think it has to do with that, Dave. Uh, he was not on the field. They, this coaching staff has put a precedence on um, if you're healthy or not. So a lot of the moves we've seen are players that have stayed healthy or stay healthy throughout their career. Uh, we don't have any injuries going in except the two weird concussions or the three weird concussions now with Worthy. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and TJ Yates. Outside of the three people in con- concussion protocol, uh, we don't we don't really have another injury on this roster. So that's that's a plus, Dave. Um, you have the full, pretty much your full defense at your, uh, you know, right there at your full, um, you know, that you you have them ready to go. On your offensive side, I mean, you're missing your two quarterbacks, um, and if I think Tyrod Taylor is going to be ready to go, what do you think for Week One, dude? I was just thinking that I was going to be like, man, what does Kevin think about this? Are the Bills playing games with us, Kevin, where they're going to say, oh, man, we're not sure. Hey, man, we're not sure. We're not sure. I don't even care they're playing the Jets. I think they're still practicing this game. They know that the Jets don't really. I mean, it's the Jets. They're the worst roster in the NFL right now. It's also the Bills, okay? I'm sorry. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. You know, this team beats Green Bay and then goes to Oakland the next game and just literally shits on itself, you know, five years ago or something. Remember that? Mario yeah, Williams about three like, now. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, I don't, dude, no yeah, way. But this, you got you you to play these stupid games, dude. You got, I, I, I never, I never said he didn't. I, I, I'm more saying that their roster, nothing to do with the Bills. The Jets roster is the worst roster in the NFL. Nothing to do with the Buffalo Bills or nothing to do with anyone else other than the Jets themselves. Um, that's I, a very poor. You know Oscar. what I'm. You know what I'm nervous about, dude. You know what I'm What's really that? nervous about, and I really don't like it. And I, and I've never really said it on this podcast. I don't know why the hell there's even a competition with Vlad Dukas and and John Miller. It's like you know we talk about this sport. We talk about sports in general about having some kind of chemistry and cohesion and let's get the offensive line together. And every year I hear a report from Chris Brown. Oh, it's going to be the first time we're in the line together. And it's like you know, man. 
I understand you want to turn up the heat and you want to have competition and see where everybody's focus level is and all this bullshit. But damn, if you take away what this offensive line did well in the run game for the last two years, I'm going to be really pissed off. Like, really pissed off. Because I'll be honest, I don't think that Jets defensive line is, is anything really to sneeze at. It, it, it's it's fucking not bad. So I mean, you, you, defensive line, are you talking just, I mean, remember they run a 3-4, so. Um, dude, talking I, I'm talking, like, anything they do up front with the Bills making changes, those guys have played in that system for a few years defensively, okay? So when I'm looking at things, I'm looking at it like this, is if they're changing up schematically what the Bills are asked to do on the offensive line, I just hope it all gels, especially with the Cordy Glenn who has not had many reps at all. So Well, you well, don't forget, you only have about three players on that defense that have that has that have been there now. So I wouldn't call that a, a limited turn. I mean, they have basically Muhammad Wilkerson. Dude, um, the guy's a monster. Yeah, like, he is. He's, like, you know he's what I mean? Like, best. Him and Leonard Williams both have been there. Um, Eric Wood's rated a seventy in Madden, dude. That's what the world thinks about Eric Wood at center, and we think he's great, and I think he's solid. You know what I mean? But at the same time, dude. I mean, he's coming off a major injury. Madden, Madden's already weird with their ratings, but you you only have a couple of guys that have been in this jet system. They just traded one of their best players in Sheldon Richardson. That's true. Um, That's true. That guy. You, that guy was the next wrecking ball, and that, you, I always wanted him to be. A you ball. look at their linebacking cards, not as good as it usually is. You know, you have a, a rookie fifth round pick starting in Dylan Donahue. You have Darren Lee, uh, their first round pick last year, who wasn't very good. Demario Davis, who's very long in the tooth. And Jordan Jenkins, those are their starting four. That's not a good linebacking core for running a 3-4. Mo Wilkerson's very good, and Leonard Smith is good. So you're going to have two really good gapping presence there, two gappers. Um, and then Steve McClendon's their nose tackle. So that that's an okay unit. You're starting two rookie safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Um, that's true. I, that, I mean, okay, Kevin, I'll give it to you. We sh- the, the Bills should win, but how about this? Let's leave it at that. I'm going to let you go. You okay. go to sleep. It's 1020. I'm going to upload this now. And uh, if you're down for a last-minute phone call again, dude, we'll just preview the game. I would love to talk to you about it because I have a lot of thoughts on it that I want to go into because I want to go into I want to break it down matchup-wise. And the Lions oh. is where I always like to start when it comes to stuff because we see the Bills. I love watching who the Bills go up against. And I'll never forget when the Bills got Mario Williams and some, like, seventh round pick who the bills eventually had on their team like last year or something uh you know remember mario Williams crying i didn't know you could hold remember that there was first game with the bills it was against the jets and he was crying after he got paid 100 million dollars and he couldn't get by him and ever since then i've kind of paid attention to the matchups and on the offensive line and the defensive line i think it's like you know, if you get that set, whoever dominates that, I mean, you're opening up the game. So, right. Well, thank you, Kevin. And uh, oh, thank by you, the Dave. way, what you got coming up? You got a podcast coming. When can we tune into you? Yeah, et just check, checked out Lockdown Bills. Uh, we're running, we're running stuff all week. Um, if you want to tune in, you know, we'll run a show tomorrow. We'll run a show Friday and probably either Saturday or Sunday. So, Lockdown Bills brings you at least three per week. Um, so check me out there. That's basically what I'm, you know, working on fully over at Cover One is their Locked On Bills project, um, and you know, kept you know pretty much catch catch my new depth chart out at Cover One. I update that update that frequently. So if you're wanting to know who follow along with what we're talking about, go to CoverOne.net and click depth chart. All this is there with player profiles right to NFL.com, so you can kind of you know see who we're talking about. Um, you know, other than that, 
I'll be at the game Sunday, and I, you know, hope to run into you, Dave. Yeah, dude. Where do you sit? I'm in the rock pile. Okay. This year, so I'm in. Uh, Two hundred. Two hundred flat. I'm in three thirty one. So if you want to come say hi, row six. Okay. Well, all right, buddy. Well, Kevin, thank you as always for coming on and making my life easier by talking to me. So thank you for correcting me on some things because I don't know anything as always. So <laughs> you have oh, a good night. All right, give yourself man? some credit, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Well, that was Kevin. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Keep your heads up with the Bills. Have a couple more podcasts coming up before the game, so please tune in. Got some big plans this week. It's game week. Let's get the season rolling with the NFL. Get some more NFL talk in there. I'd like to touch on like uh, what's going on with Ezekiel Elliott. Kind of crazy. Um, his suspension could actually be kind of postponed, like Tom Brady, so I'd like to dive into that. Also, I have some thoughts on fantasy football. I just did a 16-team fantasy draft. And uh, a little preview, I drafted Charles Clay and Marquise Goodwin, if you're wondering. And I will dive into that. Why? Well, hit me up on Twitter, at NumBillsFan. Ask me why. If you want to talk fantasy football, I will talk to you about it all the time. I'm only doing one league. I've done up to five at a time. Um, So... Don't forget, numbillsfan.com has everything. I have an Etsy store up there if you'd like to support. I have a limited run of shirts. Also, there's some Bills memorabilia up there, too, that I have gathered over the years that I'm just listing. So if you'd like, you could buy it. I have a extra large Super Bowl Bills. Ah, shoot. Drawing a blank on the image. Um, I think it's Super Bowl... I don't remember. But I have an extra large... Crew neck Bill Super Bowl shirt going up there soon. So, uh, oh, it's actually a uh, Bill's AFC Champions Championship shirt. So, okay. Anyways, punchdrunksports.com. Go on there. Follow them on Twitter at punchdrunk. And thank you, as always, to GrandSandSportsNetwork.com. Check out the other podcasts on it, like Rock Power Report. I love Drew, he is so funny. He's a great dude. I got to get him on here so he can just blow up my freaking wave files. All right. Take care. I'm David Palermo, your host here who talks to himself. And uh, this has been Numbills Fan Podcast, number 134. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. And if you like it, please subscribe. Any questions, comments, anything you want to talk about, find me everywhere. Check me out on Instagram. I'm very active there, too. Ciao.